Well, it's nice to be here finally at Spiritual Renewal Week. As most of you know, I just got back last night from uh, visiting my mother, who is recovering very well from a surgery. And it was very interesting to be in Ohio with my family. And um, one of the things that really stands out is that I was walking every night to get a little exercise around the neighborhood. Very nice, quiet, peaceful American neighborhood. Beautiful. And every house had this little glow. (laughs) The glow, you know what it is, the glow of the television set. And it's nice to be at Ananda where all the houses have a little glow of a meditation candle. That's what people do in the evenings. They don't watch television for hour after hour. Sometimes I think people are either busy killing each other in actuality or they're watching people kill each other on the television set. There's so much violence and unrest in this world. It's interesting living in India, as we do, because Pakistan is right next door. It's not across the world. It's right there. And those, uh, those terrorist attacks that happened in November in Mumbai, we knew people. We were calling our friends and saying, are you okay? You know, this, it wasn't just removed. In fact, that's one of the things that I love about India. I love America. I love Ananda. It's so beautiful, there's not a speck of trash anywhere. (laughs) I think my favorite thing is that you can turn on the tap to brush your teeth and you can drink the water. It doesn't send you to the hospital. You can just drink the water. But India also has very important things to give us, and I think that's why Master said it's the time to unite the East and the West because India, just for an example, the day that we flew to America just last week, We got the word in the afternoon, and we were just leaving a few hours later, that a very dear friend of ours had passed away, Kartikeyanji's wife, for those of you who remember Kartikeyan. Very dear lady. She was only 59 years old, and very good friend of ours, very sweet. And so we naturally drove in to the house, and... That's what you do in India. You have the, the body of the relative right there in the home, and people come and visit you. They lay flowers on the body. They say a prayer right there in the room with the body. And you comfort the person who is left behind. It's very immediate. It's very simple. It's very real. And then the next day, you all go to the cremation ground, and you are there with the people, and you cremate the body. There's no distance. There's no separation. 
It's all a part of life, and that's something that has been very meaningful to me living in India is to see how people relate to different things, especially death. It's, it's very beautiful. And it's important, too, to remember that what we do, these little meditation exercises that Gyandev was sharing with us, what we do, the consciousness that we create within ourselves is very important. We think we can't make a difference in this world. It's overwhelming. I think of Pakistan and Afghanistan and all the terrorists and all the different crazy things that are happening in the world. It's so overwhelming. How do you deal with that? And especially, you know, coming, driving through San Francisco, Sacramento, I saw a um, a homeless man by the side of the road with this little sign asking for money. And I thought, you look so wealthy. You have no idea. You, you look like you are a businessman, you know. You don't, you don't look like you need help. I remember uh, in Delhi driving through the crowded streets and seeing something that I thought was just a pile of rags by the side of the road, and I, and my I went back to it because there was movement. It was a person just lying right in the street. There is so much that's happening in this world that we think we can't do anything about, but we can. When we meditate, when we serve, when we love God, when we light that little meditation candle, we are helping this world. Remember the story of Buddha's enlightenment. He found enlightenment, and in that moment, the consciousness of the entire world, every creature was uplifted. Every creature felt that blessing. So the only thing that we have control over, we certainly don't have control over the flies, <laughs> The only thing we can control is what is inside ourselves, our own consciousness, and that does make a difference. I uh, read something the other day in the last chapter of Catherine Van Houten's book that she just finished about William the Conqueror and his son Henry I, and it was so inspiring to me. I like the pithy little sentences that just grab your attention and all the spiritual path is condensed just into that. And I felt that in this, so I wanted to share it with you. Um, she writes, Yogananda and Kriyananda have taught that by self-denial alone, by curbing the selfishness and turbulence of human nature, by self-denial alone, one can find the inner peace that all humanity craves. Well, in this day and age, self-denial is not exactly popular. It's not something that people talk about. In fact, self-indulgence <laughs> is the norm. Self-indulgence is the, the god of today's world, excess and self-indulgence. But it's really through sacrifice 
and self-denial that great gains are made. I think about uh, the Indian goddess Uma, who was a reincarnation of Shiva's, Shivaji's first wife, Sati, who had died. And so Uma was trying to get Shiva's attention, and he was not having it. And so what did Uma do? She went to the forest, and she practiced austerities, and she sacrificed. And through that, not through her incredible beauty, not through anything, not through dancing skills, nothing, it was through her sacrifice that she won the Lord's notice. And that's what we need to do. That's how we earn God's favor. It's through our tapasya. So it doesn't have to be uh, dramatic. It doesn't have to be something that makes headlines. Sacrifice and self-denial are like strength-building exercises for the soul. They're just little things that make a big difference. It can be something as simple as um, refusing to gossip. You know, Swami, almost every time he talks about Ananda Village, he says how incredible it is that people don't gossip at Ananda. Not like in the world. People are kind. People are respectful. People uh, cooperate, and they never gossip. And whenever I hear that, I go, remember that. Don't gossip. And if you're in a situation where people are starting to talk about someone, don't jump in with both feet and say, you should hear what she did to me. Because it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to just go right into that thought of tearing someone down. That's a form of sacrifice. That's a form of self-denial to refuse to do something. It's not a big deal. It's just a small thing, but it makes a big difference. Something else is, um, for example, if you're in a meeting and someone offers a really stupid idea, it would be so easy to say, that is a really stupid idea. And it won't work for all of these reasons, and here's why, and just be quiet. Don't do it. It's a form of self-denial and sacrifice to just be patient, to really listen. There might be a kernel of something worthwhile in that person. But practice that. Practice it. You know, there's a, Swamiji often says that hard times are coming. For those of us who have been at Ananda for many years, we've heard it for 35, 45 years that hard times are coming. And it's not just simple things like, I can't get a cell phone signal. <laughs> I can't check Facebook and Twitter. What am I going to do today? But it, it could be very, very serious things. It could be famine. It could be war. It could be 
natural catastrophes, all kinds of things. We have to practice sacrifice now. We may have to be um, deprived of many things. Practice. Simplify your life. Get rid of those desires. There's an interesting story I heard about someone who lived in India. He was a high-level politician, and he lived in the last century. And his idea of simplicity was perfection. And one of the things that he did, living in India, Every week, he had his laundry flown to Paris. <laughs> because we all know that there's nothing as good as a French laundry. So he, every week, flew his laundry there and then had it flown back. So it was perfect, perfect laundry. Perfection is not organizing the details to the point where everything is perfect. It's getting rid of the desires themselves, eliminating desires. And that's, that's what we're here to do on this spiritual path, to find a way to simplify our lives to the point where nothing can touch us. As Gyandev was saying, that we can stand unshaken amidst the crash of breaking worlds. Swamiji also talks about how in India, the depression will not be as difficult because if you're only a few inches off the ground and you fall, you don't hurt yourself. And in America, it will be much more devastating because if your story's in the air and you fall, it could be fatal. So what we need to do is make sure that individually we are only a few inches off the ground. And what does that mean? It means getting rid of desires, simplifying your life, and simplifying in all categories of your life. Not just the physical environment, not just the, the mental desires, but also spiritually, going deeper and deeper in meditation. That's what matters. That's, you know, Yandev was also saying that Master said, there will be no safe place on earth during Dwapara Yuga. The bombs can fall anywhere. But Master also said the bomb shelter is the spine. That's what matters. And I wanted to read you also this um, little story that someone sent me the other day about a 16-year-old boy. I may have sent it to many of you, but it's just so sweet. This little boy, when he was uh, nine years old, he had been going to school himself, little boy in India. His name is Babar Ali. He lives in a place I've never heard of, and I can't pronounce it, but it's in India. And when he was nine years old, he was going to school, and some of his friends who couldn't afford to go to school would take him aside every day and say, tell us what you learned. And he realized 
that they couldn't afford the advantage that he had of being able to learn, but they wanted to learn. And so nine years old, he figured out a way to have a facility, which was sort of an open-air field, shaded like this. He said he spent uh, 5,000 rupees of his own money, and he got some benches, and he, you know, did a few things. He enlisted the help of some of his other friends who were also studying, and they became the teachers. And he finally, you know, he kept working at it. He's just the son of a humble jute maker, very poor himself, but he had enough money to go to school, to this little fee-paying school. And he got the teachers. He finally got uh, official recognition that his school was accredited. And his children, you know, these children that he was working with actually qualified. He, he did the whole thing of setting out all the exam schedules so that they were in sync with all the other schools. He's now 16. And the story says that he um, gets home from school at 3.30, changes out of his school uniform, and he puts on his headmaster uniform. <laughs> and then every day after school for three or four hours, every day, seven days a week, he and his little band of teachers teach children. They have 600 children that they're teaching. So. If this little boy can do it, he's now 16, he's been doing this since he was nine. If he can make a difference in the world, so can we. We can make a difference. This little quote that I read to you, curbing the selfishness and turbulence of human nature, that is so important. We need to rout out selfishness. If it's just, you know, your friend sitting there and they want a bite of your ice cream cone and you don't want to do it. <laughs> There's selfishness on all these little micro levels, but give it to them anyway. Take that pain of selfishness and get rid of it. Get rid of it. And one of the, the best ways of getting rid of selfishness is I was thinking about gardening. And you can pull the weeds of selfishness, or you can just dump a whole bunch of straw on there and just smother them. And the straw, in this case, would be service to others. Just, Swamiji told me that many years ago, and it has been the best piece of advice I've ever had. He said, whenever you're unhappy, or you're depressed, or you are just in a negative space, help other people. Forget about yourself and serve others. Think about what you can do right now to help other people. To not think about yourself, but to help the world. Even if it's a small thing, this little boy 
managed to create a school and change the lives of 600 people. What can you do? There's so many of us who think, well, you know, I got to get my kids through college, and then once I retire, then I'll be able to do social service, or I'll be able to do whatever it is. Usually that time doesn't come. It's the immediate need. Find something now and make it happen. We have a, a, an incredible opportunity in India. There are so many worthy causes and so many things to help with. It's just unbelievable. A friend of mine, I hope he will come here, uh, Rani Acharya, who is, uh, has had a lot of obstacles in his way trying to get to Ananda for these events. But the latest is fever, so please pray that his fever breaks. But he has been uh, helping a group of widows in India. They were um, sort of sheltered by this temple, and they were doing different things and making a living through this temple. And then the authorities kicked them out. So Ronnie and his aunt found a facility for these ladies, started helping them to create products that they could sell to make a living. And this uh, same aunt of his also found some deaf and dumb girls. As babies, they were abandoned. And she found a way, again, to take care of them, to find teachers for them, to uh, get needed operations. Some of them now can see and hear because of the operations that they've been given. So there is so much good that can be done in this world. And it's, it's up to each one of us to be like this little boy and just say, what can I do? And that's the, the beauty of meditation, is that it creates stillness within ourselves so that we can see and we can hear what it is that we can do that's right in front of us that we can help with to make the world a better place. Nobody else is going to do it. It's, it's selfishness and turbulence like this quote says, restlessness, that has gotten the world into the place that it is now. Swamiji this morning was saying that a thousand acres of the uh, Brazilian rainforest is cut down every day. And don't people realize that they're, they're taking away the air that we all breathe? It's... Um, it's an astonishing level of selfishness. And it's so much a part of human nature to think, well, that's not my worry. I don't live there. I can't do anything about it. Pakistan is on the other side of the world. It's somebody else's problem. I'm trying to deal with this, my life. But there is so much more. and. I think it's important for each of us to go inside and see 
what it is that God is asking you to do. These lives are very short. Make it count for something. Make a difference in this world. And don't think that your meditation practice is something superficial or something that you just do for yourself. That meditation practice is the most important thing that any of us do. As Swamiji was saying, you know, no matter what degree we have, no matter what credentials we have, no matter how important a person we are, at the end of this life, what really matters is that each of us is a disciple of a great yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda. Let's do what he is asking us to do and make a difference in this world. <laughs>